Hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 87 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I'm Jake Johansson, and this is episode 87, and you're still you. I'm still me. It's all working out for us. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, this was going to be a big, uh, a big episode. Before I get too busy talking about this week, let me just say thank you to everybody who came out last weekend in Salt Lake City. Well, it, I flew into Salt Lake City. That's where I told everyone I was going. But I was going to West Valley, Idaho. Uh, or, no, come on, come on. Idaho, Utah. Salt Lake City's in Utah. And I was in West Valley, Utah. I fooled myself. I don't know how I made a mistake like that. And I apologize to both Utah and Idaho for that mistake. You're different states, just like Iowa and Ohio are different states. And uh, that's second apology to Idaho because people often think Iowa and Idaho are the same, in my experience, because I'm from Iowa and people often ask me, how about those potatoes? That's just wrong. Anyway, thanks to everybody in uh, Utah who came out to the West Valley um, Wise Guys Comedy Club. We had a great time. Podcast listeners, we're in the house. And thank you for listening. Thank you for coming to the show. That is the type of behavior that I would like to encourage. Uh, and I don't, I don't even think I, we didn't do any hugging, but uh, that's a possibility. We could do some hugging in the future. At the very least, we should have gotten our picture taken. And I think you people know who you are. And I'm sorry that we didn't do that. But that's I, I wanted to, but I didn't know how to ask you. And so next time, please ask me if you'd like to get your picture taken and then say that you are a podcast listener. And we're anyway, I think we all know how we're going to document this in the future. The point is, some things happened last weekend. In Utah, and they were between me and those people, and we don't even have a photo to remember it by. All we have are the fleeting little neuron connector things that happened in our brains that we're holding on to as precious, sweet, sweet memories of a life well-lived. Anyway, thanks to everybody who came out to the show. Uh, I hope that some of you listening will come out to some shows in the future. Now, I'm going off to New Zealand for a couple of weeks because my sister-in-law is getting married to my brother-in-law. I'm getting a new brother. Legally, legally, I'm getting a new brother. He's full grown, so it's going to be pretty easy for me. But I'm looking forward to that uh, wedding in New Zealand, and maybe there'll be a podcast episode from there. But it's going to be a good time. I'll tell you about the good time. And when I get back, it's going to be April. No fooling. (laughs) Do you get it? Yeah, I thought you did. Um, April 3, 4, and 5, that's only a couple days after April Fooling Day, I'm going to be in Peoria. Peoria, Illinois. That's right. The big time. The Jukebox Comedy Club, Peoria, Illinois. I've been there before. I'm coming back. It's been a while. Don't let it be that long between this time and the next time. The way that you keep that from happening is you come this time, and then the next time will come sooner. That's how, that's how, if I don't uh, feel like I have to spell everything and show business out to you, but uh, if you, if you come this time, then there will be a next time. That's how it works. So, Peoria Jukebox Comedy Club, April 3 through 5. Then I'm going to be in Tempe, Arizona. That's right, Arizona at Stand Up Live, uh, April 11 and 12, Tempe, or Tempe, well, I'm not sure, Stand Up Live in Tempe, Phoenix area. Then I'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco, April 17 through 19, Punchline, San Francisco, that's my stomping grounds, and I'm going to stomp there with you. Come out, let's do some stomping. Uh, We can uh, high-five each other, we can hug, we can get our pictures taken. I will do the bump with some people if they want to, if anyone remembers that that's a thing. It's kind of, it should probably start to get popular again pretty soon. I'm I'm bringing it up. Then I'm going to New Orleans for the Jazz and Heritage Festival. That's my vacation. And after that, when I come back, I'll be at the Denver Comedy Works, May 8, 9, 10. And then I'm off to Kilkenny, Ireland. 
May 29 through Juin 2. Okay. So that at the Cat Laughs Festival, if you're going to Ireland and you'd like to go see a comedy show, if you'd like to go watch an American comedian in, in Ireland, uh, I'm the person who can help you do that by being there. Anyway, so let's let's do all of those things and let now now let let me tell you about this week's episode. First of all, oh, back to so I'm flying up to Salt Lake City. I'm on the plane. I'm sitting next to this guy. I see him already before we get on the plane. We're kind of walking around the terminal. And uh, it, then he winds up sitting next to me. He's kind of in his 60s. He's extra tan, a little extra tan. And now that I'm sitting next to him, I can see he's got those spots on his hands. Liver, they, we used to call them liver spots. But now that I have them, <laughs> I don't think I want to call them that. Um, you know, I just have the mild ones, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing to be concerned about for me. I think I, I, think I mentioned that my colonoscopy went, uh, I, the verdict was clean as a whistle. And I'm not going to have to go back for five years. And of course, my skin is visible to all doctors at all times, so I've got a. I'm not in any trouble there. But this guy had some spots on his hands; no big deal. He was wearing a creamy tan leather jacket, so his skin was darker than his jacket. Is what I'm trying to say. He had those um, uh, tassely. Uh, tassel loafers, casual shoes, and then uh, he was talking on a flip phone. In first class, I got upgraded to first class. So there's a guy in first class on a flip phone. Then when we take off, I see he also has an iPhone that he gets out and he starts noodling on. I don't know what he was doing. I think he had his phone on actually while we were in the air, you know, texting and emailing people. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a cop or a police narc. But I do sort of feel like, look, if it's dangerous, maybe, and they tell you you got to turn it off, maybe you should be in airplane mode right now. But I didn't say that to him because I didn't know what he was doing. Because he's got a flip phone and an iPhone. Then he gets out his iPad. It's got a business card taped to it. And he starts, uh, he starts playing solitaire the whole flight on his iPad uh, while he's eating his snack mix. So I, that, that, I just wanted to report in that that was an observation I had. If you know that guy, if he's your dad and you can't find him, he's in... Uh, He's in Salt Lake City right now. Then I checked it in. Checked it. I checked it into the hotel, which was nice. They had one of those. Uh, they had this thing where you you got to put your room key into a slot by the front door, not to turn the lights on, but to be able to work the heater, air conditioner thing. And then the lights had a. There was a master switch you could turn everything on, and then you could also turn things on in the room individually. But in order to reset, it was there was a way that you could have all the lights off and not be able to turn them on at the switch. So you could be in bed with the lights off and then not be able to turn the light on by your bed, which I found to be a little disconcerting. I like to be able to turn the lights on and off when I'm in my bed, just in case. Intru- intruder alert, everybody. I don't know if you've heard about this thing. Human beings, you know, we were, we're animals. And... Uh, when we sleep in strange places, it can be tricky sometimes because we're worried about intruders. And I like to be able to turn that light on and off by my bed just because that's, that's my number one line of defense against intruders is that bedside light. Uh, I hadn't really thought about how useless that is as, a, as an offensive weapon or really as a defensive weapon. I think you're better off leaving it off than on because then the intruder can't see you. You can just pretend you're asleep. I read that, that, that there's this response that some people have to that thing of being woken up in the night by a prowler. Of their, their body just puts them back to sleep. They just sort of pass out, go back to sleep because it's just easier to be asleep and to let the intruder do whatever he wants. And then it is to figure out how you're going to fight a guy when you've just woke up in your underpants and he's fully clothed with a weapon and a flashlight. And he may be high on some kind of crank drug, you know, 
I think you got to fire yourself up pretty good to be intruding in other people's houses, or you get you're at least you're desperate. Can we say that? At least you're desperate if you're an intruder, and so you don't want to fight somebody like that in your underpants when you're half asleep. Might be better to just go back to sleep, but. That is not a good, certainly in the Old West, in a situation in the Old West, a gunfight, going to sleep would not be a good strategy. But a lot of people do employ this strategy when they're, when they're at home and they're awakened by an intruder. Just FYI, people say, somebody told me that, the Internet, they say, they say that. They say that and then I said it. But you can say I said it. If you don't like to say they say it, you could just say Jake Johansson said it on his podcast, all right? So it's true. It's true because, as you know, this podcast is on the Internet where almost everything is true. Anyway, thanks for listening this week. I thought it was going to be a big, uh, awesome episode. Listen, no, let me just say, it, this is a big, awesome episode. The show, this, is a, this episode might be called The Show Must Go On, but I think I have a better title for it. Um, I was supposed to have, as my guest, Faisal Ahmed, who was one of the, he, the actor who played one of the Somali pirates on uh, Captain Phillips, which was a movie that I thought I wasn't going to like anyway, and I did really like. And it turned out when I was telling my manager that, she said, hey, I manage one of those guys. I manage one of those pirate actor guys. He's from Minneapolis. He's Somalian. Uh, he's a really sweet guy. I think I can get him on your podcast. I said, holy cow, that would be so awesome to have him on my podcast. Faisal Ahmed. My goodness. Google him. Google him, everybody. It's, it's a little late in the show to start Googling. Anyway, um, so I went to my manager's office because that's where I set up to meet him as opposed to having him come to here to the Potatorium, which is this is a great place to come if you know me already. But uh, if you come here for the first time not knowing me, uh, you might have a little bit of a what have I gotten myself into? How could this be a prestigious show destined for the Internet when it takes place in this room that looks like a grown-up's toy box? Um, Anyway, I chose to meet him at my manager's office. We set up the meeting for 11. I got there at 10.30. I was ready to, you know, to set up the mics. you got to snap those together. That takes a few minutes. Went downstairs, got a coffee, primed up, talking to my manager and her uh, co-manager. used to be her assistant, Spencer. So my manager's name is Cindy Ambers and Spencer Robinson. And that's, I don't want to blow the surprise for you, but uh, Faisal never showed up. And we gave him a lot of time. And, you know, he just didn't make it. And I don't know why. I haven't even gotten that story yet. That's how hot off the presses this show is. I had to I had to come up with a backup plan because the show must go on. And that was this morning. And the show is coming out. i got to post it tonight so it'll be ready for Tuesday. It's Monday right now when I'm talking to you. Of course, you future people, future dwellers, Tuesday people, um, you're listening to this then. But this morning I was there and I said, well, I'm just talking to you guys. You're interesting. And it turns out they were interesting. I, I knew some things about them, but of course I didn't know all things about them. And you won't know all things about them either, even after listening to this episode. But this was a conversation that I had with my longtime manager, Cindy Ambers, and her co-manager. I suppose he, he works at the company that manages me, so he must be one of my managers as well, Spencer Robinson. And we had had, unfortunately, we talked for about 20 minutes before I realized that I hadn't pushed the record button. I think I was a little bit distracted and maybe a little bit cranky about the fact that Faisal didn't show up. I shouldn't say cranky. I think I was just flustered. I was flustered. And I hadn't pushed the record button, so we had to start over. So that's... <laughs> That's what the beginning of this conversation is, is us coming to grips with the fact that we were starting over and going over some ground again. But that only took a short amount of time, and then we got on with it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Spencer and Cindy are great uh, people to have on the podcast, and uh, 
you wouldn't have known that they weren't deliberately my guests if I hadn't told you. But I thought it's nice to take a peek behind the scenes, you know, because most of the show, as you can tell so far, just even if you only listen to this episode, is just high-glossed, spit-polished um, top-notch show business. And so uh, that was just a way to give you a look behind the scenes to, to let you know how we wound up where we are now, which is about to listen to my managers and my friends, Cindy Ambers and Spencer Robinson. Thank you. Here we go. Oh my God! Did we have to start all over? No, we don't have to start over. This this shit happens but in jo- show but, business. But Jake's, but, I forgot but, to push. I forgot. I, oh, this is so. But Spencer's good stuff was the good. His had the good it, stuff. It is good. Well, we're going to talk about it right now. Oh, okay. We're then let's talk do this. about Spencer being a touring musician. I'm Cindy, by the way. I'm yeah, Spencer. My, my manager, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's just review. Let's go over. What, what okay, ladies and so gentlemen, far, here. Let's. We're waiting. Uh, while we're waiting for uh, Faisal Ahmed from the. Uh, what was the name of that movie again? Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips, which I thought I didn't, wasn't going to like, and then I did really like. You were surprisingly happy when you saw it. I was really happy and excited, and then I found out that you managed one of the actors who played the Somali pirate, the guy I with the gun. I represent two the, people the in the hard, movie. The yes, toughest, the, har- mm-hmm. the toughest and the meanest, most cranky. Let's why don't we kill Tom Hanks? Pirate. <laughs> and by the way, taller is taller than a you know bamboo stick. He seemed big and menacing. It's hard to tell how muscular he is because you're comparing him to those other guys in that um, in the movie. Not very menacing and not very tall. Very sweet and soft-spoken. But you know what? He will be here at a later date, and you can do the interview at another time. Yes, I'll get to talk to him. But so now we're t- I'm talking to you. Yes, and Spencer. And Spencer. And me. Who works with me. I've already... We're just going... To, we're covering some ground because I forgot to push the record button um, <laughs> when we first started. But so let's, let me just bring the listeners up to speed with what we've already discussed. I've apologized to you again. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the... For, for, for when we first met, when you were working at Comedy Central, and I was in my twenties hosting that show, Two Drink Minimum, and you uh, you were trying to de- deal with me, yes, and I was being dismissive towards you in a in a way that. And apparently, I still... after twenty years, I have not let this go. So maybe I should probably work on that. <laughs> well, I feel bad about how I treated you, and then also I feel like, boy, if I could get back in touch with that uh, inner. Tough guy, kind of like I, 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 maybe that would be good. But well, do you I think th- you're my manager? No, I, I don't think you need to do that. What I, asked, what I think is funny though is that you know, at a time like that, you know, you got to be careful on who you meet. You never know how those people are going to come in your life in a different way. And so, like at that point, that's our first experience. And then four years later, I'm your manager, and we've been together for 16 years. That's kind of was cool, it only though. four years later? Yes. Okay, so. We met when you were working at Comedy Central. Then you work, went to work for a management company. No, no. Then I went to Gersh. Remember, we reconnected at Gersh. Okay, well, I don't remember that either. But oh, I do. Remember, we, uh, you were, oh, no, I don't know if I want to do this on the podcast. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I got a lot of years here. <laughs> Sounds like I did some other thing that I should no, be apologizing for. No, there was a friend for. of mine that you thought was very attractive. Oh, right, yeah. Well, these things happen. These <laughs> that things didn't happen. work out. This that was, didn't work out. That didn't work out. But we liked each other. Yes, you, you did. You, that friend, and I. Yes. Didn't we? 
I think so, yes. It wasn't terrible. No, 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 no. It was all lovely. And then I went into management, and then that's when we started to talk about the company that I worked for, which was Howard Entertainment. We were talking about how that's been in the news lately because Scott Howard, which was also your manager, just sued Lisa Kudrow for residuals, and he won. Blah, 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 which then led us to Spencer. Wait, wait. Yes, my manager that you worked for. Yeah. Because this has happened to me three times in my career where you go there – because of the main manager the guy. Main dude. And then it turns out that you're actually being handled or managed by another person under that person, supposedly under the supervision. Right, but when and- you came in from Gersh, Gersh called me about you. They did not call Scott because you and I had known each other, even though you don't really remember because it was such a short time at Gersh. So when Rick called and said you were looking for a manager, he actually called me, not Scott. Well, yeah, okay, right. I okay. got I got you. You see what I'm saying? But anyway, anyway. I, I was being managed by the person under the person. The big, but the yes. And then you left that person. I did. And then I was managed by you. Yes. I had done that one other time, too. And then that person who left the big person and I went with a smaller person who was my day-to-day person, mm-hmm. then she quit show business and you moved told me to that. Alaska. And do you know every year you've always asked me, you're not quitting show business, are you? <laughs> you still ask me that. I do get worried that you're going to quit show business just because... For a while, you're pretty relentless with the, you know, babies falling out of you. <laughs> there were a lot of babies. I mean, it's, it was it the was babies it were was falling ridiculous. from the sky. When the first, when the first baby happened, it was like, no, I'm the client. I'm allowed to have babies. You're the manager, and so you've got a job to do. So you're not allowed to have babies. That was I fought that. I didn't say that out loud at I the know, time. I know a lot of people so thought it. There's a part of me that felt like that, and then I thought, well, was, you know, she's doing pretty good with that one baby. And then it was like a workout thing, where like, oh, I can lift this weight. Maybe I'm gonna put some more weight on the bar. <laughs> and then you had a second baby, and I thought, well, holy cow, this has got to be the end of it, because you also had a husband who has have a husband had had. You I, I had still him. have the guy. You had the him. same you husband. Still have him. Yeah, I still have him. Right, he could put on some weight, I think, because uh, I, I don't know how he's handling now the third baby that you've had so you have three children i'm the client i'm the person who's in show business we're both in show business right your job is to help me to make us money yes and you have also got three children and it's it's uh it that's a lot I'm, I'm aware. And yes. they, they have to eat and have clothes and things like that. So. Which is why I have to work oh, harder. They, right, exactly. <laughs> and they got to go to school. Oh, I know. So then anyway, so Spencer, we were talking, started with me the day after 9-11. Yes. Which was a, a funny day to hire someone. It will, you know, it's a funny day because actually I don't think anybody really thought about going to work that day, but he showed up. I was there. That is a good sign. He of showed up and you were, were at not work. there. You were not no, there. No, she was not there. I was not there. That was before you had any children. I even have, didn't even know my husband. I stood out in the hallway for a long time alone before, before everyone got there. <laughs> what the heck? I just that waited. happened in New York, people. This is Los Angeles. Unlock the door and let's You're go young. to work. Well, even worse was it was on 9-11. I actually had to go to work and train my replacement at my previous job. Oh, my God. Yeah. On 9-11. On 9-11, yeah. Oh yeah, but you know where he started? His first job out of the out of when he first job was at your first management company out of what his first job <laughs> after, after i was a production assistant i went to work at mbst more bresner steinberg and tannen i was in their mail which room. was your management company when i first went with them they were rollins jaffe more bresner right right steinberg and yes that was they were great that was that was good that was good for me when i left them 
that may have been a mistake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait. No, I just look back. On, I look back on that, and I didn't really, I didn't really fully understand the decision. I knew why I was leaving, but in afterwards, I kind of felt like I, I maybe. Uh, I, I didn't give them enough credit for what they were doing for me. And so, hey, shout out to you guys. Uh, I, th- I feel like I already said that to Buddy, who was very hurt. Buddy Moore, who was very hurt. When <laughs> yeah, I but left. then you went to some other guy, and that's when you got, that's when yeah, you started. Yeah, I've been, I, that was, uh, I, I, I rode all the rides in the playground after that. <laughs> yeah. So you worked for them, then you came to work. I worked for them, for and then I went, and then one of the partners left, and I went with him to another company. And I was at the second company, and then... On 9-11, I, I was already leaving this this place. My last day was September 11, 2001, right. and I went to work to train my replacement that day, and I did a terrible job training him. Right, I can imagine. Because, you know, a little distracted. Obviously. You guys both watching TV. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he's, so he's been with me for 12 years, and then when we were working... Oh, will you guys say your names? <laughs> I'm Spencer. I'm Cindy. Didn't we already do this? I, we did, but that was before we were recording. <laughs> that was when we thought we were recording. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We've done a lot. Yeah, we have. It's back. I feel like we're back on track. I think so. I think so. So let's talk about Spencer's previous his Spencer's his other jobs. His now, other jobs. This is Spencer's the thing. got people, the best stories. And when I see you, I still feel like you look like you could be in a band. Like you could have just come from a show, or you're going to do a show tonight. Sure. I guess. I guess I could theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to <laughs> understand. He's wearing play, black right? leather boots, black jeans, a black vest, a black shirt. He's got black spiky. Hair. I wear a lot of black. Sideburns down to his. Jawline, sixteen earrings. Not sixteen, but what is it? Three Six, on one side, I think. Two on the other so side. So five, five earrings. He's got you tats everywhere. So, I mean, he does look like he could be, you know. I was in a band. <laughs> I feel like you put on weight, a little bit of weight. You look good. Thanks. I was. I, was <laughs> I, think. About, I think the last time I saw you was probably a few years ago. Probably. And you were very thin, and I and I kind of felt like, boy, well, like we were talking about, you go on these band gigs. They pay you three hundred bucks a week, right? And then you would only eat the food that they had. At the venue, because you're trying to save money. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're getting fed better now. Thanks. I'm trying. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have a real job now, so, you know, I, I can afford right. to go to the grocery store. And what kind of meal plan does Cindy provide? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's more the occasional Thai food for lunch, and then I kind of fend for myself the rest of the time. I'll do a surprise splurge at lunch. I'll be like, come on, guys, let's go. Mama's Sometimes buying. splurge. Mama. Mama's buying. Call your oh, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you take that right out of their paycheck, right? <laughs> yeah, don't. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Yeah, <laughs> you bill them back. Well, that's how record companies. Do. I know they do. That's right? true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No, I would. That would be a little cheesy, a little cheesy. So what? Right. What was the name of the band? I was in a band called the Lords of Altamont. The Lords of Altamont, which are still a going concern. They are absolutely. And you were the singer, bass player, bass player. Yeah. So they've got a new bass player. Yeah, they've had the, the band's had a lot of personnel changes over the years. They've been around for ten years. Are there any original Lords? There are. Um, I guess one now, the singer. <laughs> Singer and, and organ player, yeah. It's kind of his band and whoever's in the band. That seems fair. Yeah. But he has a name instead of it just being that guy. Right. He has the name Lords of All. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, we would go to Europe and play for gigantic crowds at festivals in Europe and come back to L.A. and play for 100 people. Yeah, that's always a weird thing that you can become – well, festivals have their own crowd, but you, you guys had a name. Yeah, I mean, we, when we would do our own tours, we played, you know, a thousand-seat – Thousand seat theaters and two thousand seat theaters. Like you guys were big in night. France, right? Yeah, we had a French label, so we we got pretty big in France. What do you think is the reason that that uh, you could sell a thousand t- tickets to a show in Europe, but you know a hundred here? I think that 
it's a combination of a lot of things. I think that there's still there's a lot of rock and roll fans in Europe more so than there are maybe in the U.S. Because all the pop singers are big everywhere, but I think there's also a big market for rock music in other places. And you guys were pretty. You guys are pretty. Rock, we're a rock and roll band, yeah. Kind of punky edge. I mean, like, it was, it's a, it's a '60s garage band, so it's like the MC5, the Stooges, yeah. You know, like the Cramps, that kind, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I also think that there is a passion for American bands in a lot of these cities. You know, if you're an American band on tour, they're excited by that. Wow. Right. So we were an American band on tour a lot. It's <laughs> nice that people are excited about Americans in another country because you hear so much. You hear the opposite. The complete of opposite. Like, fucking Americans. Well, you know, it's funny because I, 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 people say that a lot. And I always got treated really nicely by, by people. But I was playing for them and they were fans. And it was it's a much, it's a much warmer environment than maybe if you're a tourist. You're a tourist with your obvious, you know, fanny belt. Fanny right, belt. yeah. Well, I found audiences... Uh, Overseas, when I have performed, to be really great, right. and I've just had such a good time yeah. doing that. The only weird time I had was after, um, not September 11th, but but that uh, sort of after September 11th, the Gulf War when yeah, uh, right, G, uh, G. George Bush and Tony Blair. I went to Europe, and they were sort of mad at me because I was an American, feeling like I got. Like you got us into this Gulf War, wow. sort of. And you, like, I don't know how you did that, Jake. Good job. <laughs> Thanks for getting us into war. I tried to explain to them. I what know the heck, man? Called me about that. If they had, I would have said, I don't. Your, think we your do red this. phone never went off. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying I'm a great decision maker, but I, I am saying, look, I would have, I would have voted. Let's not do that. Um, and and the reality is, it wasn't really America that got us. America, I get it. it was Bush's idea, but Tony Blair, he signed off. He was the guy that once. Yeah, he but signed nobody off. wants to have accountability for that. It's so much easier to blame the other guy. Well, yeah, I suppose you're right. You know. But that was that was the that was the original Gulf War, which we won in like a half hour. Right. It wasn't like the. So why were they mad? We I won think. in a half hour. Was it the what? Oh, well, I'm confused. Anyway, let's get back to wars are much slower now. They take a lot longer. Oh my God! Okay, you can't find the people. They're hiding underground. Right. I think true. we're still at it. Yeah. Over I, there I in think Afghanistan, so. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like well, I feel like that's there's going to be a few American more starting thing. right. Like we have people who are in a war right now. We're in a war. Us, mm-hmm. America. Um, but then the other thing that Spencer would do. There was a period of time where he did not work for me. We've had these short windows. Of- oh, you? I didn't. You left. I did, yeah. The company that we were working at, we were working at together. Um, the head of the company, who used to be your manager, was not going to promote me. And Who's he, now suing? Uh, right, and he, just, and he pretty much just, you know, for I guess to his credit, I guess if you want to call it that, he was very open and honest and saying, "Look, I'm not going to promote you here." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay," and I, I should probably leave then because there was no point in me working there and never getting ahead. So Cindy and I talked about it, and we decided that I should leave. So I left. It is a yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment that you know a guy telling you, "Look, you're not going to move up here." Is actually doing you a favor so that you can leave, right? And you know, while it kind of sucks to hear it, it's it's better to hear it and then than to you know to hope and hope and have it never happen, right? Well, right. I feel like a lot of people are in romantic relationships where they're like, oh, someday right. we're going to get married, and the other person knows That's we're never, never, never ever, yeah, <laughs> but they won't ever say right. it, right? But yeah, so I left and um, I played music and made very little money playing music. Uh, although I loved it, but it was you know it's it's hard. It's a hard life because you're gone all the time and you are broke all the time. So I um, played f- professional blackjack for a living. Professional blackjack. Yes, I was a card counter, a pro card counter. Isn't that hard? Uh, yeah, I mean I guess it's a lot of math. But yeah, I was. Um, if you if you've seen the movie Twenty One, the um, MIT blackjack movie, yes, I was on an offshoot of that team. 
I so they would have a bankroll on a weekend up to like how much? Eight hundred thousand to a million dollars. Eight hundred thousand a million dollars to go gamble. How many people are gambling out? You know, it depends. The, the team had forty people on it. It was a, it was the biggest team in the country, and but we, we wouldn't always all be in one place at once. Sometimes we would do small trips to the south or to Atlantic City, or, or we, maybe we'd have thirty people in Las Vegas at once. You know, we're, we're kind of whatever the city would support. Thirty we would people. Do it. Yeah. Plan on a given night. Sure. All together. Well, on, on a given trip, meaning that, that we were playing twenty four hours a day. So you play in shifts because you could play all day and all night in Las Vegas. But they're eventually they recognize you, right? And then well, yeah, but there's enough casinos in, in Las Vegas, especially to move around. That's the point. Whereas if you're playing like in Biloxi or Gulfport, you go with five people. But if you're playing all day, they're still going to figure out like those guys are here all day. Well, it, it's not it, it's not quite that simple though. You don't sit in one place all day. You move around. You play for a few hours in one place, a few hours in another place. You switch players in and out. It's it's kind of you know it's if you've read the book Bringing Down the House or you see the movie Twenty One, there's a bunch of things involved in team blackjack that help you stay under the radar. Just in case people, there may be some people who are listening who haven't read that. So kind of talk a little bit about uh, basically with the, the the quickie version of it is all the games on, on the casino are are separate. For the casino to have the edge and to win, that's how casinos make money. Blackjack, you can actually have the advantage if you if you just know how to count cards, and it's not easy to do, but you can learn how to do it. And basically, what the cards you see tell you the probability of what you're going to see, so you adjust your bets according to that. Right, and so it's like you but you go plus one for all the face cards or minus one for the ones. It's under. minus one for the face cards and plus one, and then you divide by what's left. It's, it's a whole complicated thing, but you learn, you learn how to do it very quickly in your head. It's not illegal; it's totally legal to do, but they will throw you out for doing it. But they can't. But they but they also because the guy who started the team was a lawyer. They teach you the legalities of it, so like you can. They can ask you to leave the casino, but they can't force you to leave. And no, no, they can force you to leave. Basically, what is it? You, they can't touch I mean, you? they can't arrest you. They can't touch you. Basically, as as a as a you know a place of business, they have the right to refuse service to anyone they want, as as we've all seen that the signs say. So they can say you need to leave, and you have to leave. But they can't arrest you. They can't detain you because you've, you haven't broken any laws. Did they ever try and make you go into the other room to sit down? All the time. And and what happens if you go in that room? You know, it's it's funny because like in the fifties, they would break your hands and the whole thing, but they don't do that. In anymore because it's all corporations. I mean, the MGM Corporation is not going to break your legs. You know what I mean? They want to get you back there. It's still illegal for them to break your legs. Correct. Or your- <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. It's still yeah. illegal. And I think they do it a lot less now. Yeah. But they, they want to get you in the back room because they want to get a better picture of you to circulate so that everyone in town knows that you're a card counter. And they want to try to convince you to sign a no trespassing act where you, you agree to not come back to that casino. But none of that you have to do. Why would you sign that? Well, if you're afraid and you don't know the, don't know the, don't know the, law, the laws and they say come to the back room, you may be afraid and go to the back room. Uh-huh. But you just say, I'm, I don't have to go to the back room. You know, usually I would just say no and walk out. There was one time at, at Caesars, actually, Caesars Palace, where the, we were playing and the play got busted up and they, 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 made, they made the play. And eight security guards surrounded me. They figured out. They figured out, yeah. They figured out, yeah, they figured out we were card counting. And, and what happens at that moment? Well, you know, it's, they, they ask you to leave. And it's, there's any, anything from, you how know. Many people ask, how many people come and ask you that? Usually three or four at once. They usually, it's usually a pit boss and a few big security guards. Uh-huh. Um, someone's just, just a security guard. But the, it could be anything from, you know, hey, you need to leave, to we want you to go to the back room. Any, any, any kind, of, kind of runs the gamut. And how many people are they asking at that time? Four or five in, in this one time, yeah. So and you guys are five people at one time? No, no, at all different tables. And they, at this point, have they figured out who's sort of working with who? Well, yes. It, it, this one scenario they have, sometimes they don't get everybody. I've been right. in situations where they've only gotten one person or they've gotten two people and they haven't got everybody. And then it's you know kind of a, a game of, of getting out before they realize who you are. And are you guys all working together? Yes, sort of? it's team blackjack. Basically, the, the quick way, of, someone go, people go in and count cards 
and they don't openly associate with each other. When they get a count at a table, they stop the game dead. They stall a game so no cards are being dealt, and they use signals to call on the person that bets the money. That person comes in in the middle of the shoe, buys in for a lot of money. They bet really big until the count goes away or until, until, the, count, until the shoe ends, and the count goes back to zero at the end of the shoe, and then they go away. So, so you have people that are betting small, and they never bet big, and one person betting big and only big. So they never openly associate, so it doesn't look like you're actually changing so your bet. You like, you so signal? you look like a real high roller person. If you're betting the money, yeah. And how do you signal? I mean, is there like... There's a whole variety of different signals. I mean, there's, you know, you can hold a drink in a certain hand. You, you arrange it before, before you go and play. So everyone knows the signals. Uh-huh. And then how do you stall the game? You tie your shoe? You know, you, there, you there's, there's a wide variety of you ways to, to stall a game. For that long. Well, I, I want to stall the game for six minutes. How do you do that? How do you do that? You, you, well, if you put your hand over the square, the betting square, they legally can't deal. But isn't that a sure sign that you're up to no good? Maybe, unless you make it look, make it look like you're doing it by accident. That, that's all part of learning like how to solve a game. Like you're a dumbass. You ask a lot of questions. You can, you know, you spill a drink. What's a good question to ask? Um, you, 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 no, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're playing blackjack, right? Well, here, I, I've asked what are the good restaurants in the casino. I've asked, you know, where, who has the best pool? What are the best shows to go see? I've asked them how does surrender work in the game of blackjack? How does insurance work? How does surrender work? Surrender works basically when you get your first two cards before you've decided if you're gonna if you're gonna hit or stand or or whatever. You can you can say surrender and you get half your bet back in the hands over. So you only lose half your bet. I've Surrender. never even heard of this. Yeah. They used to call it fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I still call it fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. So, but that's when you're being the dumbass, when you're being the person who's signaling the other person in. So you can do all kinds of moron behaviors. And Right, because basically you're betting table minimum. No eyes are on you. No one cares about you. You're just some random person in their betting table minimum, and you're waiting for the guy with the money to come in and, and bet big. And are you big. playing basic strategy at that point? Always. Always, always, always. So you still are playing basic strategy. You have to. You're not, you're if, not... if you play basic strategy, you're only at about a half percent disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're still have, you're still playing with real money. So you, you don't want to lose a lot of money because you know all that money is all money that you can you could take home. Basic strategy. Describe basic strategy. I mean, because I if, just said it. Because if you go I, if you go to the any casino gift shop, you can get one of those little cards that tell you what the mathematically correct move to make in every blackjack scenario is. Right, based on what the so dealer like has and what you know to hit a soft fifteen or anything. Every when, 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 when you take another card, right? When exactly. You, when, when, when you, you double, down, double down, right? All that kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah. were, would you do any kind of uh, walking your bets up and whatever well not if not that that's the thing if you're if you're the person that's just counting the cards you don't ever change your bet because because the idea is that no one's supposed to notice you you're supposed to be totally invisible So you play the same bet but you do double down and yeah so what's more fun being the guy with all the money or being the guy who's counting well wait uh, yeah and and uh, which is more fun and which did you get to do the most i i did both um, I actually do not like being the person betting the money. I've done it quite a bit, but I don't like doing it. Wow. High profile, right? High profile. That's that's. I mean, you have to know what you're doing, but it's also more about being able to act and play the pit. And I don't like. I'm not an actor. I don't want to be an actor. You know, you it's not pay, thing. You got. You're pretending you're a rich guy. Pretty much. And the idea. The idea is, if they're very comfortable with you, they'll watch you less and ask less questions. Mm-hmm. And so if you sell them on that you that you, you you belong there, you should have all the money. You should be betting. They're not going to get suspicious. And how do you bet when you come in and that you're playing basic strategy, but are, all, are you also doubling your bets? Well, well you're, you're playing basic strategy, plus that at that point, because, you could, because your count is high enough to be there playing, you, you deviate from basic strategy according to the count. So you, so you do things that are against basic strategy when the count warrants it. I see. Like maybe, maybe you'll take insurance at a certain number, or you'll double down on, on, on a card you normally would hit on because, because there's a, high, a better chance of getting a 10 or an ace. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
And so what is the most, when you were playing the rich guy, what's the most you ever walked away with, walked, left the table with? Me personally or? or, yeah, yeah, or me personally. And then 40,000 40, maybe? Wow. That's a lot of money. I was there once. I went, I went up 40. Yeah, I, I won that much. I was at one of the casinos once, one of my first sessions, and it was a long session, like 13 hours. And I was I just joined the team, and we were um, they were subbing in the counters. Every three or four hours, they were bringing in a new set of people just to count the cards mm-hmm. so, that it, so that it wasn't the same faces. We won a quarter of a million dollars of that one night at that one casino. That's uh, $250,000. Correct. Correct. In one night. At one casino. And so, and were you the rich guy that night? No, God, no. And so you're happened? still you're still in the you're kind of in the background on the sides you're counting the cards you're signaling and it's one person playing the rich guy who's moving exactly around the, to one person tables. per casino or is there more than one person usually it's one, counting you, more than one table right? usually it's one per casino we I have done things where where, you, where you'll do two people betting at the same time but that's like a very special case in two different pits at once you never want to have it in the same pit you don't it, want to be on the same table it's well, just, what kind yeah. of disguises did you have to wear. I mean, everything. I, I've worn wigs. I've worn, you know, just like anything from suits and ties to baggy clothes to whatever, you know. You, and you're doing, you're doing disguises so they don't recognize you from one time to the next. Exactly. Or if, you, if you're going to a casino where you know you've been thrown out of before, you want to look as different as possible if you're going to be going back there. Mm-hmm. And you, you've got a good uh, hair. I can't remember if we were talking about this before we got disconnected or before. Or I forgot we, to put the, yeah, we're, we're it's on now. It's on. <laughs> um, but you've got a very distinctive face. You've got thick, dark hair, and but you know, I, but, I, but I've worn wigs. I, I I grew my hair long at one point, then cut it really short. You know, you you do whatever you have to do. And you were telling me that you did one guy. You darkened a person's skin? Yes, there was a guy on the team that asked me to help him dye his skin so that he looked like he was an African American, and it worked. What nationality? What? He's 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 like whiter than white, blonde hair, blue eyes, really Aryan to looking. Go all the way African American. He did and wig, right? He, he he. We dyed his hair, dyed his hair black. Uh-huh. Um, did the, the the dye on the skin to make his skin, you know, a nice nice shade of brown, <laughs> which is and cool. And that's available commercially. Like, yes. Get that and the problem this. we ran into was that he did not wear contacts and he needed to cover up his blue eyes. So he put contacts. He got you know con- colored contacts and. Could not get them in his eyes, and tore them trying to get them in his eyes. Oh! But why can a why can not a nice dark skinned man have blue eyes? It's le- it happens. It's rare. But it's it rare. It's, it's, le- rare. it's more and noticeable, and that's, asking, and that's more noticeable than dying your skin. Yeah, you're yeah, asking yeah, to be. Oh, he's the, the, the idea is to not be noticed. See that guy? Right. He, yeah. he put on sunglasses and then did a, did an accent and said he was from Tobago. The rest of the weekend, Tobago. They're Trinidad, Tobago. Tobago, Tobago. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I say Tobago. Exactly. Yeah. And it worked. He didn't get thrown out of one place. And he's a notorious blackjack player. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. Has he tried it again? I don't know. We, we followed the team um, seven years ago now. That's what you say. <laughs> how do we know where you are on these That's weekends? true. That is very yeah. true. But it was cool. I mean, I, I, I traveled all around the U.S. playing cards, and then I'd fly to France and play music, and then I'd fly back and go, you know, to Biloxi and play cards. And, and then when like he... a good life. What was the most ridiculous disguise you personally ever wore? I wore an Afro wig kind of once, like an afro wig and like a bandana around it. Uh-huh. It was, I mean, you know, I wore suits and ties. I mean, there wasn't... The idea is not ridiculous. The idea is to go and look like you belong. <laughs> right. But the most, I guess, uh, ridiculous wasn't a good thing, but the most not like you. Like, you didn't dress up like a woman. No, I did not do... Pe- people on the team did do that. I, I was not one of them. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, w- I would, you know, put on a, v- a very nice suit and tie and try to look as, as clean and, clean and you know, and, mm-hmm. and straight as possible and whatever. I mean, whatever it took for where we were going. The only casino that never threw me out was the Hard Rock because everyone there looks like they're in a band. So that kind of worked. Oh, I see. Wait, 
they threw you out? They never did. They're the only ones that never well, did. Because he right, looks like he belongs. Like they, right. they totally bought it. It was it was fine and not weird at all. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to wear a costume. Or disguise. Exactly. And do you ever go and gamble now for fun? I do sometimes. You know what I mean? It's it's not quite a, not quite as big of a rush now to go and gamble because I don't have a, a million dollar bankroll anymore. Boy, I I just find even when I go to the casino when I'm working someplace to to try and play basic strategy, it's so much thinking and adding. I I just doesn't, doesn't seem fun to <laughs> well, me. Well, I had a, I had to pass a, a very long test on the team, and basic strategy became second second nature. It was you don't think about it anymore. Right, you just know it. You just know it, yeah. yeah. And now, I mean, I, I I can't go to a casino and not play that way. I I could never do that. Right, right. So, do you still subtly count? Well, I have to count, yeah. Cause I can't I can't play and not count. You have to. It's, a, it's an OC. Yeah, but even well, even not if, OCD, but it's just a. It's just what you're, you're, you're doing. Right. You're, you're trained. trained. But it's, it's like it the wrong no, way. but it's it's like you know why why would you do it the wrong way exactly? Yeah, right. and and even if you don't have the money to bet, you you'll, you at least know when a table goes cold and you should leave. Yeah. You know, or sit out or go to the bathroom or have a drink or whatever it is. You can say, I'm going to go take a smoke break now or whatever you do, you know, and that's the time to do it. Did you do any other casino games? I mean, only – that's the only game you can have an advantage at. Yes. Over the casino. So I just did that profession. I played craps and roulette as cover in the casinos during that time, and I played poker for fun. Mm-hmm. Right, because with, bla- with blackjack – You've got a it's you've you've got a forty nine and a half percent chance. Yeah, you just it, like a basic strategy. Yeah, and once you start card, card counting, then you go over fifty. Exactly, and and your advantage may only be two percent or three percent, but when you're betting two by ten thousand, that two percent becomes worth a lot of money. Yeah. So, still, it was fun. It sounds like fun, but you gave it all up. Well, I did. Sort of. You have, well, no, your the, career has an expectancy because once you've been thrown out. I got thrown out a lot, and then I started kind of managing a, a younger team where we brought new players in that were young and taught them to count really quickly and would take them out and play shorter sessions. And that was cool for a while. And then eventually we just brought the whole full big team in and blasted away for about a half a year, and then we folded the team because it was just too hard to play. Mm-hmm. We used to go in and play for 13, 14 hours straight. It got to the point that I'd walk in and buy in, and they'd, they'd be like, Spencer, no, goodbye. They knew my name, they knew my face, everything, and they would throw me out on site. Oh, you're in a computer site. and it shows up? Like they... There's something called the Griffin Agency, or there was, and the Griffin Agency was was, was a, a company that would circulate names and faces and things like that. And there was, you know, there were some people, like there's a woman that worked at one of the casinos that was the best counter catcher in town. Wow. And um, she, you know, we she was actually so good that we would avoid her shift at the casino that she worked at because we knew when she worked and we just wouldn't even want to be in the same casino with her because she would study the um, pictures from all the teams. She knew who was on every team and all their names and their whole thing. And she could spot you kind of as soon as you got there. And I, I saw it firsthand. We were playing um, at this casino. And I guess that they we were there for a long time. We were up about forty grand, fifty grand, something like that. And um, I think they must have thought something was going on or I'm sure they did because they called her in early. And she walked into the casino and pointed at the eight people in there all by name and threw us all out right, right in one second. Well, that she didn't have to go look at her book or right computer in. file. It was, it was actually – it was so impressive that I, I couldn't even be upset by it. it was, I was like, wow, that is really fucking impressive. <laughs> but you don't have to give back your money. You just have right, to exactly. just get up you, and you just leave. leave. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it, it's weird to me that the casino acts like, yeah, come and win a lot of money. And then as soon as you win a lot of money, they go, no. No, no can't yeah, win they, a lot hate of money. they hate it. They hate it. They really do. Because what you're doing is not illegal. Nope, not at all. But most high rollers, their attitude is, we want you to come back because we know you're going to lose it back Eventually. later on. Well, I mean, they, they have the mathematical edge. That's, that's how casinos work. Right. You know, they have the mathematical advantage over every, 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 every person on the floor except for card counters. But they've figured out that you are not just a high roller. They've figured out that you are a naughty winner. A naughty winner. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the one cool thing was, you know, that's all a good t-shirt, right? Yeah. Naughty winner. You are a naughty winner. That's a very good t-shirt. All the comps that I racked up, I was able to use after the team had folded. Which oh, was really great. So I, I had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of free whatever. Oh, because I was going to ask you that. So you are actually using your frequent player card when you're in a disguise. So this you week have you're a to. black guy, and you're you the have to because if you're if you're playing that much money and you don't get a rating card, it's a red flag. Like, why the hell would you not get a rating card? But then how how can you even be? When they just How, see your name? Yeah, they can tell it, you who it you is, are by the rating card. It, it is not illegal to get a rating card in a fake name. That is totally legal. The only thing that's illegal is is if you buy in or cash out for over $10,000 at any casino, they have to give you a, a, what's called a cash transaction report, which is not for taxes. It's for the Treasury Department. They, they want mm-hmm. to keep track of large sums of money that are being moved across the country. So the, you have to give your real name on that. But that's it. You can get a rating card under a fake name with no problem. Oh, and then so your your benefits would be under... All those benefits would be under ten different alias fake. Yeah, names. but for me, I actually never had to use a fake name. I used my real name, and when when I went to casinos that I wasn't bad at, and once I was bad, I just stopped betting the money at that casino. So I had my real name at you know twenty casinos with thousands of dollars to spend, mm-hmm. and I spent it all. It well, was that great. must have been fun. It was great. I, I I took a bachelor party once, 13, 13 guys to Las Vegas. I spent like three thousand dollars in alcohol in two days, and that was all on comps from yeah. Wow. What about the money from winning? What about that? I, mean, I lived off of it. That was that was my that was oh my that income. was your job. That was, that, my, was... that was my only job for a while. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Well, I did it for three years, and for about a year and a half, two years, it was the only job I had. And but I besides playing music, which paid no money. And what? Uh, I don't. I hate to ask what you earn per year doing that, but I'm curious about that. Is there a way that you can answer without having? To you know? Yeah. Tell I me? mean, I you know, I would make anywhere from. You know, hundred dollars an hour when I first started to three hundred, five hundred dollars an hour, wow. and I may pay, maybe I played for thirty hours a weekend or forty hours, maybe you know, in, in a week or whatever. So, you were making some good dough when we won. Yeah, I see. you know, you don't always win. I mean, that's the thing. It's you know, you have the edge, but you still don't always win because there's still a bit of luck involved. It's gambling. See, I feel it's like still gambling. That's, <laughs> I don't. Ha- that's I've never had the stomach for gambling because it hurts too much to lose. I mean, you're playing as part of this big team, so maybe and it's it not your money. It doesn't feel like losing the same. It still feels like losing, though. I mean, like I've I've lost seventy, eighty thousand dollars in one night, and it does not feel good. <laughs> it feels terrible, even Whether, though it's the team's money. And- yeah, because it's it's you know it's the team's money, and you're still doing everything right. You know, you're not making any mistakes, but you know sometimes you just don't win. And when that happens, do you get paid for your time something for going to the way the way it worked is that if you if you lost they reimbursed your all your expenses so your plane ticket and things like that so you didn't you didn't actually lose any money you just lost your time mm-hmm. and if you win you win and what kind of supervision did they have to make sure that you weren't um skimming or you know it's it's i mean you know there's not a lot of supervision except for the sense that someone vouches for you to bring you on the team right and they only bring in people they really trust well and for you to try and cheat your Team, I would never. You, I would. Ne- I just would never have done it. Yeah, because you would be cheating other people that you're working with, and right. Yeah, would just and be people terrible. that I was spending a lot of time with. I mean, I was seeing them every week and a half to two weeks for you know maybe anywhere from four or five days to eleven days at a time. So mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time with these people. They were my friends. You know, there's. I wasn't going to cheat them. And you're in a group of how many? Like five to. It depends. If we if we were on like in the south. Yeah. Like Biloxi or Gulfport, yeah, five, six people. If we were in Atlantic City, maybe ten people. 
But would you get together then with those 10 people before or at the end of each day to say, oh, this, we did this? Before and great. after, yeah. We have a, we have a pre-meeting and like a post-meeting before So people day. aren't really following you. Your only danger is that they're going to spot you when you're in the casino. There's not somebody who's trying to trail you back to somewhere because all they're going to do is ask you to stop anyway. Right, yeah. Once you're off the um, property... They don't care. Oh, well, that being said, I, I was once followed one, followed from um, Harrah's in Las Vegas, and they followed me. I don't even know why they were following me. I don't know what they thought they would get out of following me outside of the casino, but I had to go and hide out in the Jimmy Buffett restaurant. <laughs> With Margaritaville or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I went and hit out there, and, and, and I lost them. It's funny that you would hide out in the Jimmy Buffett place because it feels like Jimmy Buffett's whole career is based on the premise that he's actually hiding out. Right, exactly. And he's this hugely famous guy right. yeah. with a giant cult following, but it's all like, yeah, I'm anonymously, I'm, anon- I'm a secret, I'm a secret superstar. Yeah. Yeah, so we folded the team eventually, and I stopped playing. And I played music for another year and went and worked as Cindy's assistant. And then eventually um, I quit the band and came and got promoted and Full time. did the whole thing. Yeah, That was a big decision, I remember, when you quit the band. It was band. a huge decision. Huge. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was like a four-month decision. I thought about it. Did it feel like giving up a dream? Yes. Was that the main... Yeah, it was hard. I mean, because you, know, you think about... All the things you want to do as like a rock star when you're a kid, you know, quote unquote rock star. And I had like a mental checklist of things I wanted to do, and I did almost all of them. Well, you were pay- I can't now. I say I can't remember if we had this conversation in this version or the earlier conversation. But you were playing for crowds of a thousand, of a thousand well, people we, or fifty thousand people. We, 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 we did like a, like a thousand, two thousand people when it was our own shows in Europe. And on festivals, I would do thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand. So you had the experience of that performing live. Now, do you still do music? Do you still go out and play? Well, you know, I I, I play at home for fun, and I started a band recently just to play in L.A. for kind of just for fun because I can't mm-hmm. go on tour anymore. So cool. I'm, just, I'm just playing with some friends like a couple times a week for fun now. I feel like when uh, Greg Barrett and I get this haircut to talk show barber thing off the ground. Your, your band's coming in. Right. Yeah, where well, you're coming in or you're coming in. You're doing a sit-in. You've got to do at least a, do <laughs> a sit-in. Good. I definitely think we could book them. And a blackjack lesson. How about a blackjack lesson? Perfect. And sp- and then uh, Jake can flow be your hair. Oh, that'll be weird. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like your haircuts, while it looks simple and kind of messy, it's probably a little complex. No. I, I just go to a barber. It's really easy. It takes 10 minutes. His ten ex-wife minutes? used to cut his hair. That's true. It's well, very easy. Well, then I'm willing to take a shot if you're willing to let me have a shot. How bad could it be, right? Yeah. What's that? The back How bad could it be? <laughs> Pretty bad? <laughs> no. Wouldn't be that bad. Right. This is probably as bad as it gets, my hair. And yours has got some... Yeah, it'd be good. It's okay right now. It's a little dried out. I feel like it's all about the product, too. I need to have a little product. That's true. Got, yeah. What kind of product do you have in your hair right I now? use really cheap, like, Rite Aid, like, $5 a, a bottle product. Gel? Is it no, a, it's like a pomade. Pomade. So it's, a, so it's got a... A grease thickener thing yes. to it. Do you have any in your office that I could look at the? Label? I do not. <laughs> oh wow! So I've you got apply some hair stuff right there. But that's yeah, not, but that's not mine. Yeah, I'm oh. trying to get my hair to look like Spencer's hair. Oh, you don't want to? Not your hair. Shiny look. No, you look great. <laughs> your hair looks nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, you're a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> yeah, you've got nice lady hair. That's true. <laughs> so was it a was it a, obviously to to come and work as a as a manager? It's a much more consistent and better paying job than being Absolutely. a struggling rock star. Absolutely. But do you ever do you ever feel like, oh man, I wish I was making that uh, gambler money? I mean, yes and no. I, the gambling money was really great, but like it's it's about as high stress as a, pos- a job can possibly be. Yeah. And it's great when you're winning, and then if you go on a three, a three or four month losing streak, then you're kind of fucked. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, it, it, unless you have a lot of savings, which I didn't at that time. So, look, it, the money was great. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did it when I was in my 20s. And I'm not in my 20s anymore, so it's kind of nice to have a steady job. Right. You know, I have a lot of friends that are out of work, and I, I it's just awful. Well, no kidding. I mean, I, I was just talking to my wife about that this morning, about, you know, how ridiculous the economy right. is mm-hmm. right now. I mean, I'm very thankful that I have a job. And uh, I see it, though, in the crowds. You know, sometimes the crowds are a little smaller nowadays because right. people, it's, it's a big night out. Who wants to go out and drop the, drop the money? It's true. <sighs> what was also a thing that I think with Spencer and I was, you know, he was always going to be a manager. And for some reason, we could just never stay away from each other. He's like my little brother at this point. That's true. But we always, I don't think you would have been a manager anywhere else. No, it was going to be with you. It was going to be with me. I mean, I, you know, I took another job once when, I, when, when, we, when we first folded the team. I'm like, I have to get a job. And Cindy had an assistant, so I couldn't go back and work for her. And so I got a, an assistant job at an agency, a talent agency. And I, I was there for one day, and then Cindy called me on the new job and told me to leave and come back and work for After her. After I gave him the reference for the job. Mm-hmm. And then I gave him the reference. I said, oh, my God, he's the best. And when was this? Seven years ago. Uh-huh. And then on his first day of the job, I did not like the person who was working for me. And I called him at the job. On the first day at lunch. It wasn't at lunch. It was during the day. It was during the day. Yes, because, because the, everyone there was like, there's a woman on the phone. Maybe it's your girlfriend. I'm like, no, I know who's the only, only woman that would ever call me here <laughs> during the work days, Cindy. So, yeah, it was you. And I called him. I said, leave. Come. Come back to me. And he, so he worked one day. He quit. <laughs> I went in the next day and quit, and they were not happy. <laughs> I love that you're working at a magi- management company, and a woman calls, and you're like, no women call me. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. They just don't. <laughs> so you have all male clients now. No, well, no. Th- I, w- I, was, I was an assistant back you're then right. yeah. at a new job, and no one knew I was there except for, you know, like my parents and Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I quit the next day, and they were not happy about it. Yeah, that's funny that you let you let him go out and get a job just to see if he could, just to see like oh, that's good. And the funny thing is, I'm I'm like the worst interviewer for for jobs. I've never given a good interview for a job except for that one agency. I gave like like an A plus five star interview. They they I I knew I had the job. They had to hire me. It was awesome, and I quit the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, now you don't need to get another job because that is true. I'm very happy about that. (laughs) So. Cindy, what other jobs have you had? Did you ever count cards or no? I, I, no, I, that's why it's always so funny when we like. I always I have to let Spencer talk because I'm boring. He's got the best stories. I was a waitress. You're just a waitress. That's what. I, that, that's what, no. I was a waitress. That was, was. I was a waitress. I mean, I worked at Walt Disney World. I was. I gave the backstage studio tour. I mean. You know, well, that's not that's not that bad. Didn't they give you some kind of a diploma? Or? I did. They had a college program. Did you ever? They have a college program that you can go and live on the uh, at Walt Disney World and live on their camp, their college camp, their quote unquote college campuses, and you take classes. And if you do well, you can get your masters. But if you do really well, you get your doctorate. And I have my doctorate. Well, what are you taking classes in? Who knows? Whatever they had us doing there, theme park, cotton um, candy, yeah, cotton, line maintenance, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you and then you, and then when you become part of this program, they place you in all these different jobs. That's how they get people to work there in the summer. So, like, I lived with six girls, and one of them was a cashier at this place. Another one, you know, they all had these cushy jobs, and I got the job where I had to memorize 70 pages of script and I was the tour guide for the backstage studio tour and then I had to go to driving school to learn how to drive the bus 
Wow. <laughs> that's that's a, like a big job. And you got to go in the back. doctorate. No, but that was... that was. And you got to go in the back behind the scenes secret part, right? I was behind part, the scenes, right? yes. And then at night after the fireworks show, I got to drive the buggy to make sure all the fireworks were out. Yeah, <laughs> big job. How do they even make sure everybody's out of there at night? There's some people Oh, there, there, we night. drive around. Yeah. Well, there's a whole security thing. But, do people... Uh, are you did the you security? Ever... No, I was just the fireworks... Put her out her. Do, okay. do people ever hide and try and stay in Disneyland all night? How you know, I don't know. You don't I don't know, know actually. That sounds awful. It sounds horrible. Well, but I can imagine some kid or some teenager, course, it has kids, to have occurred to like, we're going to come in here at night. We're going to find, we're going to go party in that Pirates that day. The, yeah. or go find the part of the Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to see what's behind the, the magic curtain. The thing. Yeah. yeah. So that was my most interesting job. And it's not really that interesting. Yeah, well, I feel like it is if you just had some stories, but you you didn't. You, I was nineteen. I forgot the stories. Did you ever smoke pot at work? No. no. I did when I worked at Subway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Well, and also you were in a rock band, so there might have been some pot smoking then. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah, I love that you're being cagey about yeah, smoking pot as a rock musician. It's funny. The, the band that I was in, it wasn't, it wasn't a big drug band. We drank a lot. It was a big drinking band. It wasn't, a, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a big drug band. It's more of classic rock and roll, I think, to drink. The, I agree. The, the drugs, that's more of a newer... Yeah, I agree. Well, or maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, I don't but, know what I'm talking about. 80s hair band. It's, it's weird because it always seems like you could play rock and roll while you're drinking, but it must be hard to... I mean... You can get in a situation where it's like, I, I can't concentrate on I've played some sloppy shows before, sure. Yeah, yeah, because I can't imagine trying to do a comedy show hammered. Yeah, but you're remembering a lot more. It's a little different. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you call it remembering, and it is remembering, but it, I've done it. You know, the, the, to, the next show is going to be close enough to the last show that it's not like, oh, i got to look at my script again. Yeah, but when you've got five people in a band, one of you's screwing up a little, everybody else can cover you. Right. Mm-hmm. You're up there doing stand-up by yourself. You forget your jokes or you're too drunk to tell them. It's just you. It's just you. You've got no backup. And there's, well, no, there's no music. There's no puppet in the background yeah, yeah. going, here's the material, Jake. We've seen it go bad. Not me. Not but, you. But <laughs> we, have seen, we have seen drunk comedians. Yes, we have. Absolutely. That happens. Yes. And drunk audiences sometimes also. Oh, that happens a lot. <laughs> that happens a lot. And that could be sort of fun to have that wild card show every once in a while. I mean, I would never choose to say, look, I hope a really drunk lady shows up at this show. <laughs> uh, that's not what I want to have happen. But every once in a while it does ha- happen. And it's the best when they're sort of just silly. And, and it turns the show into this silly kind of, well, now it's we're a little off the rails, but it's still we're dealing with it and everybody's having a good time. As opposed to when it's like everybody wants that person to shut up or die. Yeah. You know, then that's. I, I saw, I saw a, a, one of those situations, I don't know, about a year or so ago. A woman walked into a comedy club, walked in yelling, walked in heckling the, the, the stand up on stage, and was out before, she, before that stand up was done with her set. Yeah, well, I'm out. surprised they even let you come in. If yeah, you start, so I. If you start yelling when you're well, walking. Well, you were at a show last week, or somebody threw a bottle at the comic, That's true, right? yeah. I was at a show. It was actually an open mic, and there was a comic there trying out new material, and there was a woman at the bar, and she threw a beer bottle at the stand-up wall. You saw the bottle get thrown? I did. And what happens once you throw a bottle? You get thrown out. Thrown right? out, yeah. The bartenders dragged her out, kicking and screaming. Holy cow. What is wrong with people that they think they can just throw bottles at people now? I mean, really, don't ever come into my work and throw a bottle at me, okay? <laughs> well, it's just like... <laughs> I mean, I don't care like, where you work. Please don't do that. How <laughs> deluded are you? You're at a show. You're like, I didn't care for that, so I'm going to throw this <laughs> bottle <laughs> at that person. Like, this huh, is not my brand of comedy. <laughs> what kind of a world are you living in where it's like, you know, the last time I threw a bottle at a guy, nobody minded. I can't believe this place <laughs> yeah, doesn't like, let you throw a bottle so sensitive. It's like that is such an out-of-line kind of 
response to what's going on on stage. Absolutely. Like, this is my advice to people who are listening right now. If you ever feel like you need to throw a bottle at someone who's performing, that show is not for you. You should you should leave. I agree. Buy a ticket to a different kind of show, maybe. Or right. If you ever even feel like maybe you're in that mood, probably comedy is not the thing for you to do that night. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, mostly I think you it's... probably know you're going to get there at some point if you're in that mood. Start it earlier. <laughs> well, stop drinking also. When you start Yeah, but to you feel really like... have your common sense when you've already started drinking. The best idea when you're already I like how, how, how we're rationalizing the bottle thrower. <laughs> like we're, her judgment is obviously very good early on because, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I feel like most of the people who are throwing the bottle would not throw the bottle unless they were drunk. You know, she was drunk, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. She was very drunk. Like I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna wait until I'm drunk till I throw the bottle. Yeah. But I'm throwing. There the was bottle. also a guy who was determined one night that Spencer was gonna eat a potato chip. Same night. Same night. He was determined for an hour that he was Spencer was gonna try his potato chip. What do you mean? He. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. He, How do you get in a situation there, where it guy... was the, it, this 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 night was a very um very weird night. There was a lot of kind of near arguments, fights, that kind of thing. And this one guy was trying to exert his will on me to make me eat one of the chips on the bar. And I just kept telling him, no, no, no. Stop talking to me, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just a guy at the bar. A guy at the bar watching comedy. Um, this guy comes up and he's like, hey, you know, I want you to eat a chip. And I was like, I don't want a chip. And he goes, I want, I want you to eat a chip with me. I'm like, I don't really want to eat a chip with you. And he goes, well, I'll buy you a beer if you eat a chip. And I said, no, I'm, I, I could buy my own beer. It's fine. I don't really need, need you to buy me a beer. And he spent the next hour trying to get me to eat a chip. And eventually, he grabbed a chip and stuck it in my face, so I um, threw him on the floor. And then he stopped trying to get me to eat You threw chip. him on the floor? I did. You're not a big guy. No, I'm not. And then they threw the guy out. They did. They threw the guy out. Yeah, yeah well, they should. I would have probably eaten the chip, though. I feel like it, this is also says something about you, Spencer, that you were just like, I'm not going to eat the – do you just not eat chips ever? You, you eat chips. No, I like chips, but, you know – So it, it got to be the principle. It was of the principle of it, yeah. This guy was hammered, and you were like, I'm Why not, should he have to eat the chip? He shouldn't have to. I'm just saying, my experience of dealing with drunk people, if you just eat the potato chip right away, they go away. No, the, the problem is, if you eat one chip, they're going to want you to eat more chips. I'm, I'm not going to get into a chip-eating contest with this guy. You've gotten into it before with people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not You've been that. down that road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what happens. I know what happens with you and your potato chip. You say it's just one. Right. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, Spencer's on the floor bloated because he's eating a bag of chips. Exactly. Right. Or your blood sugar goes yeah, off. So. Or you wind up with diabetes. Or, yeah. you know, salty mouth and you, you're really thirsty, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, it can go bad a lot of ways. Yeah, so. <laughs> Those things are all worse than having to throw a guy on the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you took the easy route. It was it, it's, it was a, a rather violent open mic, and, um, yeah, it's, it was very Yeah, well, show business, boy, I always feel like just the comedy club, the, when I'm doing the gigs, that's we're at the front lines of show business. But, no, you're talking about the open mic is really the front lines well, It's of like the Wild business. West. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's mm-hmm. that's the look. Yeah. I'm trying to get into show business, and you are trying to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember your first open mic? Um, yeah, I do. I do. It was in San Francisco. I, had, I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I had called up the club to find out um, – about the open mic, like how many comics go on and what times does the show start? And how long have you been sort of doodling with material and thinking Well, I dropped out of college to move to San Francisco to to be a stand-up. Right, but you never had tried it before, so you just thought, oh, this would be fun. No, you asked me about my first time. So, no, I didn't think it would be fun. I thought I dropped out of college, and I told everybody that's what I was going to do. <laughs> so, so I bet you you got to do it. I got a day job, and I worked for a few months in San Francisco, and it was like, well, I really have to do this. I mean, there's going to be a lot of... My parents are going to have questions, so I called up the club, and I was just asking about the show, and 
how long people go on and how long it lasts and what how much time the comics do. And the guy was like, "Are you a comedian?" And I, how many, how many, he goes, "Come down, come down, sign up." That was back before there before everyone was a comedian. Right. Now, if you call up and you say that, it's just like, "Yes, are you a comedian?" Yes, I am. Well, why don't you come down and pay to see a show, and then next week you can sign up and hang out, and you're not going on. For the next month this and a half. like, he said, come down. I went down, I signed up, and I was on that night. But I was so nervous, I couldn't really... I and couldn't how long did talk. it take you to write that material that you thought was going to work? Well, no, I wasn't on an ego trip about it. No, no, I, I'm just, I was, no, no, no. It was more like trying to figure out how to go hunting when all you've seen is a dead animal. You know, <laughs> like, I want to get one of those. How do I do it? So I had seen comedy, but I didn't know how to write material, and I certainly didn't think I was going to be good. I just thought, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And that was also the beginning of, you know, Robin Williams and Steve Martin were two of the big, giant success still doing stand-up in addition to their other stuff. And so so it was a weird you, – you had to kind of be different or be a weirdo. It wasn't like now where you could just get up and start talking about what you did. So from your first – from your first – Open mic. How long was it till you did a second one? Uh, I don't know. Weeks, week or two, week or two. I did about four or five sets, and then I took about five months off, and then I kind of rededicated myself to not being nervous and getting over my stage fright and doing just give it a chance. I felt like I dropped out of college, so I have to give it a chance. So that's what I did. That's what I did, and I'm still doing it. I didn't quit. Like and how that. the nerves? I don't feel nervous now. That's one of the good things about it. That's good. That's one of the good. They're so excited. Like last week I hosted the talent show at my mm-hmm. daughter's school, and uh, it was really great. And the great thing for me is it's it's all about the kids doing the show, and then I just kind of vamp in between and say things that I think are funny. But it's not like a comedy club audience where you say a funny thing and you can hear people laughing. It's like a, a room full of sort of quiet chaos Mm -hmm. and so you say something that you think is funny and then the next day or three days later you're dropping your kid off and somebody comes up and goes oh that was really funny when you said the thing about (laughs) and how was it with wrangling the kids did you figure out when to go on when to go off it's a little tricky well this was a good year i feel like in past years some of the little kids for their talent show because the talent show is based on who signs up first for the 20 spots on the talent show Mm -hmm. it's not you there's no audition process it's all about first come first serve you decide you want to be in it you sign up and so in years past, there have been some of the little kid things that happened in the talent show were so little kid things that you couldn't, as the MC, really tell, like, are they done? Or is there, are they going to do more? Is that finished? You know, sometimes you can't even tell when they started. <laughs> and you know they, they're, right. all on, they're all they're on, on stage, but... but you don't know if this is, is this a show? And then this year there was one small kids group. They did a comedy thing, but it, it was much more organized. All of the, and, and a lot of really good performances That's good. this year in the talent show. Do any of the kids ever do stand-up? Not stand-up, but they did some comedy sketches. Last year they did a little Abbott and Costello, who's on first, cool. um, that they had rewritten and adapted for some kid kiddier version of it. And this year they did a sketch about, I can't remember what the name of the sketch was, but uh, yeah, there was a sketch group. They had like three or four sketches. But there are a lot more, I think there was out of the 20 spots, there was probably eight or ten that were just solo vocalists. And how many with, sang Frozen's Let It Go? That's what... Dina Menzel? Uh, Fanula sang, I think one person might have sang that, but okay. I, I'm not sure. Um, somebody sang that Lord song, uh-huh. um, Royal. Uh-huh. She sang a cappella. Was she good? She was, you know, 
you got to hand it to these little kids because they just go for it. Right. Fearless. She Fearless. was good, and they just go for it. You know, they she rehearsed it, and she just went for it. I remember when I was little, I just all I wanted to do was try out to be Annie. I just wanted to be Annie, and I had no I tone deaf. My mom was like, <laughs> "You should just go for an orphan." <laughs> and my mom wouldn't let me try out for Annie because she was like, "You really don't want to do that." <laughs> I feel like she held you back, though. No, I think she probably saved me <laughs> a little bit of humiliation. Were you, were you an orphan? I didn't even make the orphans. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> no. But was it in a t- audition for like a touring company? Oh, God, no, it was for like the high school thing. <laughs> oh, come on. Your mom wouldn't let you no, audition? I mean, elementary. No, she, she saved me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's probably a good thing. My mom made me do it. Well, your mom's called Drama Sue. Yeah, my mom's a drama, drama teacher. Your mom's a drama teacher? For, for little kids, yeah. Did you know Spencer used to have a headshot? That's true, when I was a little kid. Well, why wouldn't he have a headshot? Because his mom is Ramasu. That's right. No, oh, you had a headshot as a little kid. He a little acted. Kid, yeah. He's he's got like an acting reel. Well, when I was a little kid, yeah, sure. Yes. And then now you've gone into management. You started off as a child actor, well, and yeah, then you were for, a rock for, star you know, for, for a little two while. Weeks, you know what I mean? It wasn't very long. <laughs> so let's break it down: child actor, uh, rock star, um, gambling team, and now talent management and lit management. I have I writers also. Oh, and writer is but uh, TV TV movie writers or yeah, book, both books bookie. Well, TV movie. I don't, I don't have any any um, authors, but I, I'm not opposed to it. You would you would sign an author author. Sure. I would like maybe I should write a book. Everybody's writing books, Cindy. You're my manager. You should write a book. What I kind agree. of a book? But what what kind of a book would I write? That's I think you should question. write an essay, a book of essays. I agree. Your stories and a book of essays would be unbelievable. Here's what we should do. An essay. We I should mean, just I... brainstorm uh, the chapter. What 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 are the essays that I'm going to write about? Because I You're feel gonna like write... it's better to be assigned. Okay, you the could, you, but you but some to. of them could even be your old sets. I mean, you could turn that old. Mat- I don't think so. I I don't think comedy material from the stage really. I mean, some comics have done that, but that's not really. I, I would rather write something that could be that's more meant to be written-y written than try and just your... transcribe something that I did on stage. We'll have to figure that out because I think you would be a great essayist. I agree. I like that. Uh, you remember George Plimpton, mm-hmm. where he would go and do like quarterback for the. Detroit Lions right. or something like that. That's the that's the TV show that I want to, or the book that I that to I go would and, write. to go and do craziness and then write about it. We just get to go. Yeah, you get to go to a- astronaut training camp sure. for a week, and then the next week you go to chef school and you have to prepare a meal for somebody, or or maybe it's a short order cook. You just go to a restaurant and you become a short order <laughs> cook for a week. You could just Spencer knows how to get a job at an agency for a day. That's true, I do. <laughs> he says he's a terrible interviewer, but do you think you could recreate that one interview that you did? You know, I the reason I, I'd been working in management already as an assistant, so I knew what they did there, and I just did a lot of research on all their clients. So I knew all their clients, and that, I think that that was very impressive to all the all the agents that worked there. So I knew I knew who all their clients were. I knew what they'd done. I was able to talk about it, and they they kind of fell right in line. So this is this is a good this is a good tip. To people out there, Research. Who need, it's a good tip for people who are doing almost anything. Is if you find out who the people you're going to be talking to, something about them, that's going to help you well, yeah, sure. to get them to like you. Of course. I did a little bit of research about uh, Faisal. Faisal, um, <laughs> but he didn't show up. I think it's safe to say that he's not showing up now. I think so. I think so as well. Because. Uh, we waited about 40 minutes just on the off chance that he was ridiculously late. Then we talked for 20 minutes that you didn't record. And then now we've had this conversation. Yes. He's so not coming. He's not coming. Unless we've just left him out there the whole I'm time. I'm sort of relieved because if he came now, I don't know emotionally how I would even <laughs> be able to deal with it. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's it not... would be so late. That it, That'd be a that very, very like long this, episode. This, he's going to come in. We're not going to talk about the movie. If he came in now, it would be like, what just happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It would be all about why are you two hours late? Yeah. How can this have, how can this have happened? Well, I feel like... I feel like this has been a really good conversation. I yeah, enjoyed having you on. I, I, my biggest regret Uh-oh. is that we didn't tape that first 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but these things happen, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a – I've got one of those uh, label makers Okay. At home, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one that says, don't forget to turn this on and put it on. That the, is actually a very good idea. Machine. I like that idea. You know Because yeah. I've had some other – I've had technical difficulties Has this, before. Has that been the first time you've done that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I did right. have a half-hour conversation one time with um, Kumail Nanjani. Do you know mm-hmm. Kumail? Yeah. In the parking lot at the Meltdown that was going to be for the podcast, and I thought we were recording it. I had pushed go, and we both were watching the line that, that says that it's recording. Then I got home, and there was nothing on there. Because you forgot happen. to put the disc in? Nope, nope. I, I still have no idea why that didn't happen. And it, but it was, it's emotionally jarring. I wonder if the NSA had something to do with it. They didn't like the conversation. They zapped it out of the zeitgeist. My thing with the NSA is I always say, look, I've got a Twitter. I've got a Facebook. I've got a podcast. There's a ton of YouTubes out there. If you would like to also listen to my phone calls <laughs> and read my emails, that's great. But I think you're going to enjoy a lot of this other but stuff the better, more. right? Because yeah. I'm actually trying on this other I'm stuff. I'm actually trying. Right. First of all, I'm not up to anything. Right. The only thing I'm up to is trying to do a podcast and a Twitter and a comedy show. <laughs> right. So I would prefer if you watch those. That's what I would prefer. But if you want to listen to my phone calls or try and dig through my trash, knock yourself out. Go for it. Yeah. I think. I mean, not really. I, I, I don't want us to be spied on. I think I it's, agree. I think it's a misuse of our time. All those NSA people, couldn't we be helping? I won't even spy on my husband. Like, I don't look at his phone. I don't look at his emails. I well, mean, that, like, like, there's personal space. Well, that's... A, that's what I always tell everybody who wants to get into that, it's like, oh, I, I'm worried about this or that. I'm going to try and read her emails or his emails or I'm going to try, try and get into his journal or, or, or I found out something. on. It's like, look, whatever you find out, it's got to be bad enough that you're going to end the relationship over it. You're not just going to have a conversation because if you think you're going to have a conversation, the first topic of conversation is what the, why are you spying on me? Right. right. You know? I, I, I can't even imagine. Like, my husband has a computer at home, and I ask him, can I go on the computer? It's a family computer, but he uses it. He primarily uses it. Well, I don't... Do you know about deleting your browser history? No. Maybe you should learn. You know what that is? You don't even know what that means? No. Yeah, my wife doesn't either, but I don't spy on her browser history. But I don't, what, what, what is he going to find? Like, I mean, I don't know. He can delete it. That's fine. But I wouldn't even think to look. I like, spy on my own browser history. What's that? I spy on my own browser history. Go back and look. It's awful. Yeah, that was a lot of porn. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) Yeah, there are the... I feel like porn is the most embarrassing part of your browser history. What percentage of Americans have it on there? Have what on there? Porn in their browser history. Do you know the answer to this? No, I'm asking. What do you think? (laughs) A lot. I I mean, of men? Men and women. A high percentage, I would guess. I mean, but that's... That's. I hate to sound like some kind of alcoholic. Like we all have nine drinks with dinner, right? I mean, you just have nine drinks. That's a normal amount. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just assuming that most guys are looking at porn at some point during the week. And what about women? 
you know, you'd have to tell me. I don't know what women are up to. I still can't figure it out with my wife. She's like, how come you don't start the sex thing more often? And I go, why don't you just assume that I'm green? It's green light. <laughs> I'm, I'm on green. I mean, sounds you like really... something Steve would say. Just assume it's always yes. Well, do you want? I was like, why don't I initiate sex? Okay, this is what that would be like. How about now? <laughs> how about now? Okay, how about now? now. How long do I have to wait before I ask again? But you know the worst. What the worst way? Don't go like this. Don't tap the shoulder and go. <laughs> Not good. What about just going? And do that yeah. little finger through the... Yeah, you think that would? Uh, Roll yeah. the mouth with the tongue in the cheek. <laughs> that's a, that's My wife does that sometimes as a joke. So yes. I say, that's not initiating. It's a joke. Yeah. No, no, she never does that and then winks, and that means let's go. <laughs> let's go, yeah. It's, it's, go never, never, it's never happens. been fulfilled. That never <laughs> Empty promises. No, sometimes she'll get out of the shower and do a little ta-da move, which I think is awesome, but that doesn't mean that it's go time. That just means, like, Check it out. I'm, I look pretty good, and I feel like, yeah, you do. How about now? <laughs> yeah. This is a little bonus sex talk. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, well, we could get into a whole sex thing if we wanted to. So I, you have a girlfriend right now, Spence? I do. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. How long have you guys been together? Only about a month. Oh, it's well, that's been not longer really than a, a month. You're just. Well, well, I mean, I know she, she moved here a month ago, so it's like two months. What do you mean she moved here? She, I met her online, and and she moved to L.A. about a, mo- a little over a month ago. She moved here to be to see if this would be a thing. No, she moved. She was moving here anyway, mm-hmm. and I met her before she moved. Do you mind my asking where online you met her? On Twitter. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So just like, hey, you're funny. Well, yeah, and, and we, we had mutual friends and said, hey, you know, you guys would, should meet each other, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So yeah. Do you know about Tinder? I do know about it. I've never used it, but I know about oh, it. Oh my god. I've got a friend, Tushar. I should have Tushar on the podcast because he still sends me. I did his show in Santa Monica at this comedy club, and uh, he still sends me because he was showing me Tinder, and so he'll send me pictures of the people on Tinder that right. are that are the funniest mm-hmm. ones, you know, like this because it it just searches your Facebook profile pictures and puts those up, so it's sort of random what the picture is that are you interested in dating this girl? Because right. sometimes it'll be. A cute blonde white girl with a dark-skinned baby. Right. It's like, what am I getting into if I date this person? Right, exactly. Is that, is that her kid with someone else, or is that her friend's kid, or what's going on? You know, or or there's one. So it's never with, in context. Naked at the beach, um, wearing a skull, uh, like an animal skull, on their head. <laughs> like I'm ready. So so Let's definitely swipe yes for that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely, he, absolutely, just the yeah. experience. Yeah, well, because you, it doesn't get started. In, unless it's a match, like you right. can say yes to that, right. but that person has to also say yes to you coincidentally, yeah. and so mm-hmm. the odds and, of that. And happen. who is that person going to say no to? That person was pretty attractive. The person who was wearing the skull. Well, from, the I mean, from the neck down. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, see. yeah, you couldn't see her face. Right. right. So a, I mean, we, what's the word for those? A butterface. Butter yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Love that we both know. That. Yeah. We're guys. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys really did not even miss a beat on that one. <laughs> No. And you both chuckled when you said we gotta it. we got to slow down with our answering, Spencer. This is a good tip. Yeah, and you chuckled when you said it, both of you. We're, yeah. we're very smooth. <laughs> Have you ever looked at porn on your computer? No. Zero? No. Never? No. But on my yeah. iPad, I have. <laughs> <laughs> on your phone. The people who are looking at, at porn on their on their phones, that's where it's just like, you need to take it down a notch. <laughs> that's too much porn. Right. Not on your phone. Come on. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything for me. Right. Well, if you're a lady, you can have sex pretty much whenever you yeah, want. You go, I'm in the mood like, for sex. There it is. Who's right. who's ready? Yeah. 
Like your husband, and he's ready to go. Yeah, he says green light all Anytime. the time. Anytime. Right. But if you're Anytime. a guy, you, a lot of times you're like, I need to outsource this. I need to, or do, I'm doing it myself, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm being faithful. Right. I think. I think. Yeah, it's faithful, right? Yeah, I agree. Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The less talking about it with my, I, I mean, I don't say, look, hey, I, I looked at, I've masturbated today. I don't say that. Yeah, I don't really think I need to know that. I'm assuming you have. The danger (laughs) today. Well, I'm going to assume that, look, you know, I'm going to assume that he does, and I'm okay with that. I don't need a check-in. It's tricky, though, because you want to do that on a day where you're pretty sure that the other person is going to also say, let's let's do it. You know, you don't want to waste – you don't want to – I think – you want to do it on a day when you're pretty sure the person's not going to say let's do it. On a do day it. off. You yeah, want to you do wanna, it on a yeah. day off. You that that is it. tricky because we, we're, we're very unpredictable. Women. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Completely unpredictable. Yeah. That's true. That's like you said. When you said how, what so percentage like I think do I think women will get my husband could say porn? pretty much like Wednesday night's a good night. We're going out late. We have to work. Mm-hmm. I bet you he'll be happy with himself. I'm not coming home. Oh, I see. He knows when the he night He knows that, the, the, yeah. that I'm out. Right. That's a safe bet. I see. I see. What percentage would you say that women look at porn on the internet? You're zero. You're at zero. I've done it once or twice. For not for erotic reasons, just to like curious? see curious. curious. Yeah. Um I would say probably twenty percent would admit it. Maybe forty or forty percent, fifty percent probably would total. But you're saying on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Or just have done in at one point in their life. Have done it. I don't because guys, it's not a have once. Oh, I took a look one time just because <laughs> I was curious. It's like no, I went back to that site. I have my favorite. This is my favorite place that I go. Oh, I wouldn't. Jeez, no, I don't think that. No, no. not too many ladies are doing no, that. No, I don't think no. so. My wife said that she thought that porn was funny. It just seems absurd to her. Well, I mean, I've looked at a couple of them just to see. Wait, what's that? That's funny title, but it's just sort of like that's just it's ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. Yeah, she she th- she says she feels like it's silly. I'm just trying to. I, I'm silly. not even sure what I think that means because it's it's all super serious. Yeah, I, to I me. know I know a lot of women that watch porn. Or, I think it. You have know some interesting people though. That's true. I mean, you also have shown me things on the internet that people have told you about that I didn't know existed. So fair enough. Like for example, there is a bird cage. No, there's a cage. Oh right, yeah, the cage is really cool. There's a cage that a friend of his wife works at. But she just doesn't. She doesn't work in the she, store. She works for a company that sells, you know, uh, fetish clothing and things like that. And she is. She works like in the warehouse, and she's like uh-huh. another warehouse. She's like the wholesale manager type of thing. Mm-hmm. But that company has a everything cage. you could possibly imagine. And one thing they have is a human-sized birdcage for like bondage. And that you, and then it's got these pokey, th- these prongs, these spokes, spikes that you can poke at the person in the cage. Right. And you buy, you would buy that. The idea is you go. I'm going to go on the internet and get us a new one of those. Yeah. Or go to the store. And, or go to the store and buy one. Yeah, of those. It's a cage it's, where it's you get huge. one it's of you gets in the cage and the other one pokes, pokes you while you're in the cage. Yeah. Man. So it's that's why I'm saying too. he knows I about bet. this stuff. It was like thirty six hundred bucks. Yeah. Sure. Why wouldn't it be steel? It's not. I bought bird cages before. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. The big bird cages. So <laughs> this birds, is like yeah. a version of it's a, a very big bird. That. And this one you're trying to skewer the bird. Well, or poke them. Poke them. Poke him. I guess, you know, if you're into it, if you're into it, it's such a different uh, world to me. Like, I'm not, that's not a thing that I'm, I, I just can't even imagine how that would get started. Like, you get it. <laughs> well, I don't even know how I mean, you'd get me in the cage. Well, but 
because we're not in that world. Like even the people who we we're not liable to even meet a person who like, hey, this is great. We really like each he other. Well, first of all, we're married. We really like each other, <laughs> and let's go out on a you go out on a couple dates, and they go, you know, it would be great as if I got as if you would. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this cage I have now. I I'm gonna get in there, and you poke me in the cage. See, I'm not into that either, but I feel like there's got to be a conversation like at the beginning of the relationship. Like, hey, I'm into this, and are you into this? Kind of right. Thing, but how is that a turn on? Like, I well, don't get where that could physically excite you to poke. Everyone's different. I, everybody, I, get I get that. that everybody's I get that. different, and I do think it's probably a situation where if you're if you're one of the people who wants to get in the cage or have someone poke you while you're in the cage, you just meet people at the website of getinthecage.com. Right. right. You know, you don't. You're not. You're not bothering. And do you think there's a pokethecage.com? Well, you're not. In other words, you're not going out into the general population of people and picking someone to date. You're no, there, like, there's, look, there's a I'm social gonna... networking site for people of that community. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. It's called FetLife. FetLife. <laughs> and is that with one or two T's? Yeah, I don't know. Or is that a PH? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've only heard about it. I don't know. That was another one. You answered very quickly. Yeah, you knew that. You volunteered that information. That's what I'm saying. He knows people. I know stuff, I guess. Well, That's the on that star note, life. I'm going to definitely be visiting uh, FetLife <laughs> later today. Please tell us all about it. If you to want, see. Spencer, I don't can have send to tell you about it because I know that you've been there. Or if you, you want the it. link to the birdcage, Spencer can also send you that. Sure. Uh, that would be interesting, and I can post those. Uh, well, people can Google that type of thing, and I look forward to at some point talking to uh, Faisal about. Uh, these are my notes that no, I was no, going to no. ask him about. Don't, don't give up the notes. Do you want to give up the notes? No, it's just funny because th- oh. this is these are my preparation notes to talk to him. Um, I was going to talk to him about act. The, I'll just read you: actor, movie, Tom Hanks, scary, growing up, Somalia, immigration, Minneapolis, Los Angeles. We covered most of those things here. Yeah, right? yeah. I feel like we did. I feel like we did. All right, good. Okay, cool. Thanks, you guys, for being on my podcast. The show must go on, and we did it. <laughs> we right. did it. Thank we you. did it. Oh, high thanks. five. Do you want a high five? Sure, high five. Oh, right. this will be my first, uh, I think this is the first triple triple episode. Cool. Oh, it is? Cool. Yeah, this is exciting. Thanks, everybody. Well, there you have it, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my Lord. You got everything. You got high stakes gambling. You got uh, drugs and alcohol. You got show business managing. You've got, I think there was a little lawsuit talk in there. I'm not sure what happened. It's all over now. But uh, I think the title of the episode is going to be Naughty Winners because that's how I think of us. Naughty and winners. You're a winner. I'm a winner. Thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. Besides, you're a winner. (laughs) Why would you want to give up? Why would you ever give up? Just keep living this life until they ask you to leave. And then, don't forget to remind them, they're not allowed to put their hands on you. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week.